Today on Sagittarian Matters, we're talking about fashion, mushrooms, and so much more with our producer, Chris Sutton. Stay tuned. Sagittarian Matters, Sagittarian Matters, what's the Hello from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios in Tahunga, California. Listeners, it is a rainy day, and the way I am dressed on this day, I look just like Bunny from Only Murders in the Building. If you have seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't seen the show, don't worry about it. We're just going to keep going. I just got back from Las Vegas, where I was a special guest at the Vegas Valley Comic Book Festival. Thank you to everybody who came to that and came to our graphic memoir panel, mine with Gene Munson. Um, I wanted to tell you the thing I ate in Las Vegas, in case you are a vegetarian traveling there. I really loved it. It was Chef Kenny's Vegetarian Chinese. I got crispy, spicy eggplant. It was crispy. It wasn't spicy. It was sweet and salty eggplant that had been manipulated within an inch of its life and was so delicious. If you don't care about nutrition, you know, like if you're not stressing yourself out trying to get a green vegetable and a protein, just get that, get a heap of that and just keep eating it until you pass out and just feel so happy about what you got. But if you want to get a second dish, which I did, so you can mix and match a little bit, the other thing I recommend is the sizzling tofu and vegetable plate. The tofu in that plate, also I asked for extra broccoli. What did I get? Maybe less broccoli. I was punished for asking. But I got the tofu was big blocks of tofu that had possibly been blanched because it was creamy on the inside. Not globby like a silken tofu, but kind of creamy on the inside. And then the skin of the tofu was almost like an agé. It wasn't sweet like that, but it was that bean curd skin. It was kind of a traditional bean curd as opposed to an agé tofu. And it was such a delight. I loved it. I was so happy when I got the food. I got it delivered. And I recommend that to you the next time you're in Las Vegas. What else? I just did Weirdo Night at Zebulon with Dynasty Handbag and she, Dynasty Handbag, aka Jibs Cameron, friend of the show, did some voices. I read from Fetch. I read Beja's Manifesto, Beja's Manifesto and Jibs read voices of my stepdad, my mom, some of my roommates from when I was in my 20s. Thanks to everybody who came to that. And here I am. Here I am dressed as Bunny from Only Murders in the Building. I'm doing one more event this week I want to tell you about before I get to Love is Blind. This week, Thursday, November 10th, I am going to be doing a talk. It's online. It is at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. It is for the, I'm going to read it, it's long, the Feminist and Accessible Publishing and Technologies Practices Speaker and Workshop Series. If you want to find tickets, they're free on Eventbrite. You can just look me up and look that up. It's on my website. I will be posting it in my stories up until the day of the event. Please come. I will be talking about podcasting, graphic novels. I don't know yet, but whatever it is, let's have a good time and bring some questions. Okay. I need to talk to you about Love is Blind. Love is Blind season three. I have begun watching. I'm not sure why. I started watching Love is Blind season three. I watched season one during quarantine, made fun of it with my friends, thought I was out for the count, but here I am back again. If you've never seen the show, the premise is this. It's a general dating show for heterosexuals where they are put 
in quote unquote pods, also known as a room with a partition down the middle. And they have to fall in love without seeing what each other look like. How can you tell they fell in love? Well, after one to two weeks, in order to continue on the show and become characters in the show, they have to ask someone to marry them sight unseen. So they've been having conversations for two weeks, but with the, ma- with the magic of reality television and Stockholm syndrome and them having nothing else to do but think about each other, they quote unquote fall in love and ask each other to get married. And then they see each other for the first time when they go to give the other one the ring. Uh, that's the show. It's, it is what it is. It's very transparent. I'm in the middle of episode five where a man who is a fitness man partnered with a speech pathologist is telling her straight to her face. Her name is Nancy. I don't remember what his name is. Bartise. Bartise, the fitness guy, is telling Nancy, the speech pathologist, that he actually clicked physically with someone else more, a fellow fitness person, but that he guesses the two of them have an emotional connection. He's basically saying to Nancy's face, I'm not into you physically, but it seems like we get along. I don't like it. I'm not into you, Bartise. I don't like what you're doing here. I think you got to go. Nancy, don't marry him at the end of the week. Um, Yeah, if you watch the show, you know what I'm talking about. No spoilers, but there's a spoiler for you. I don't know what happens at the end of episode five. Maybe she kicks him to the curb. I don't know. Listeners, This week, I'm talking to producer Chris Sutton. We haven't spoken for the podcast together in, I think, at least two years. He joined me in the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios via Zoom, where we talked about our teenage fashion. We talked about lion's mane mushrooms and so much more. So please enjoy my talk with producer Chris Sutton. Have a great week. If you want to support the show, if you want to support producer Chris, you can PayPal him, hornetleg at gmail.com, or he's got a Venmo. H-E, double hockey sticks, books at Venmo. If you want to support me separately, my art, go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges. There's a lot of good stuff there for you. And I post new comics at least every month. Have a great week. Talk to you soon. Dawn Riddle is a multidisciplinary artist from Portland, Oregon. She's a brilliant painter, weaver, photographer, musician, playwright, cafe owner, videographer, residency runner, and unsolicited vegan food review correspondent. One, two, three. Unsolicited vegan food reviews. Podcast listeners, here I am, Don Riddle again, with an unsolicited vegan food review for you. Um, today's review is actually based on a gift that friend to the show Morgan gave me. I gave her a key to my house, and like an angel, she reverse burgled me and left me some delicious-looking uh, pan pizza in... Uh, What's it called when the pizza is square? Whatever that kind of pizza is. She gave me that with an item she has been singing the praises of for 
at least a year that I've never had, which is broccoli stem pepperoni. So it looks like she's thinly sliced the broccoli stem and added seasonings. And I'm going to review this item that Morgan made. Oh, it's so good. Wow, it really has a pepperoni flavor. I do not know what spices she put on it, but it's like, tastes like pepperoni. It's like smoky and tangy and a little circle on a pizza. And that's the definition of pepperoni, I'm fairly sure. So I urge you to reach out to Morgan and uh, get that recipe. Uh, 10 out of 10. Chris Sutton is a musician and a broadcaster living in Portland, Oregon. He lives with his partner, Karen, and his daughter, Vivian. You can listen to Chris hosting his weekly radio show, Record Lections, on X-Ray FM, or you can find him playing music in one of many bands he's recorded with, like Dub Narcotic Sound System, Hornet Leg, Spider in the Webs, Hooded Hags, and more. Or you can find him producing podcasts across the web, like this one, or for TheRinger.com. Now, please welcome back to the Sagittarian Matter Social Distancing Studios, producer Chris Sutton. So in middle school, you're always trying to follow the trends, or I was anyway. But at the same time, like we were a pop culture family, but at the same time, I, you know, we didn't have the money to get like the the really, really cool stuff. So a lot of what happened my middle school years was like the almost like two striped Adidas. <laughs> and um, I was really into Dwayne Wayne from different, different worlds. So uh, I had like those glasses, but like, I forget they would call it. There's like uh, forever 21s, but there was like this equivalent, you know, and then I, I bought them from, it was a like Claire's. Was Claire's yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. Claire's real. So I, I had those. And the one thing that was the cringiest thing was that there was this trend that everybody would wear um, college sweatshirts, like, oh, yeah, in, like big football teams. And the one that I chose, because I think it was probably like on sale or something, it was like a situation where my mom got it or whatever, because I was like 12. I got like a BYU one, right? Okay. And I had no idea. Is that the Mormon University? Yes. <laughs> one. In Utah, it was just like, yeah, I couldn't, uh, and I wore it all the time, like with pride, but I didn't like get it, you know, I wasn't really like particularly sporty, you know, or yeah. anything. So, but I think I was just trying to like, just kind of keep up what was, what was going on. And uh, so some of those pictures like that, you know, and there was a lot of spandex which is, you know, neither here nor there, but I was really into spandex and my mom worked at a fabric store. So there's a lot of spandex. What do you mean there was a lot of spandex? A lot of spandex. Like Re who else was wearing spandex at your middle school? Everybody. Oh my God. Wait, what? does this happen to you? What are you talking about? This Wait, happened to you. I mean, I, I wore like bike shorts, right? Like spandex bike shorts. Hmm. Well, are we what, what year are we talking? Uh, like, so uh, how old are we talking? Let's get this I'm, on the table. I mean, this is the thing is you're, you're a hair older than me. I might be old. Like, 
I, I feel like me and Kaya are probably the same age. But my you sisters can, are a little older than you. So they went through a lot of teen 80s trends. And I don't remember the spandex happening oh for that. Well, I just remember it taking over my school. And this is like, I want to say 80, uh, late 80s. So I'm going to say like 89, right before grunge. And um, so hair metal was still happening. I mean, you know, now that is coming out of my mouth and coming out of my brain. You know, I was really obsessed with hair metal. So this was like a hair metal kind of spandex, not like an aerobics to school kind of spandex? Well, they were shorts. Well, okay, okay. okay. So now we're going to, now we're peeling back another layer because there, I was also obsessed with shorts (laughs) and I thought I only looked good in shorts. So I would just wear shorts. And so there was like, I'd double them up, you know, I'd have like spandex and I'd have like some like tattered situation on top of it. But here's the thing, my mom worked in a in a fabric store so like we had she would bring all this stuff home and then she was all she was she was pretty good she was a really good seamstress for a while and so you know she made all of my clothes for better or for worse there was like a french fry outfit that was very scarring that so it was a halloween or just every day you know there's a lot of stories of me like building myself up about something and then having it like very charlie brown style kind of fallout you know lucy kind of like icarus touching the sun you know like kind of getting burned or whatever yeah a story i just told the other day was about i was really into doing my own tie-dye right and this is this is eighth grade so i i did uh, a tie-dye shirt and i put my name on it right with fabric paint so oh wow but it said chris m my middle initial and sutton right yeah so I, I but but I made the m really big you know okay yeah and so like I wore and I saved it for this field trip like we're going on a field trip to like like a Native American like no I, I think it was uh I was you could take a ferry to it from uh from Seattle like it's a big you know I'm, I imagine just it's like a regular like school trip kind of thing you know and I was so stoked to wear it and there was like I can't remember if there was like a girl I liked or something or whatever, but I wore this shirt and I was so excited. And the whole day, nobody could read it right. They're like, what does M stand for? Or Chris M. Sutton, you know? And they would like, <laughs> I was just so disappointed. It wasn't a big deal, but- We like, it really stands for it magical. I, I, I put it up there, but that happened with a lot, like with clothes. So I mentioned the French fry outfit. Yeah. So my mom, and I thought this was, I co-signed on this. I completely greenlit this idea. Okay. Sixth grade. So I was just like, oh, hey, I want a top and a bottom outfit. And I picked out this fabric that had like French fried designs all over it. That's cool. Right. You know, but all these things are cool. The tie dye shirt sounds cool. Yes. Well, you know, as old punks, old, you know, body posse punks, mm-hmm. you know, of course it's cool. Yes, it's cool. But you know, uh, you know, instantly when I showed up, it became an issue. <laughs> Wait, what did it look like? Can you describe the outfit? Well, it Completed. was, more, it was kind of like, it wasn't like there's no hammer pants, but we're like kind of moving in that direction. I had hammer pants. Right. Um, oh man. It, it, Imagine so, how cool I looked in hammer pants. <laughs> oh not cool God. at all. Not- so here's the thing. So I'm from, I'm from Lacey, Washington, which is definitely not a metropolitan kind of like 
trendsetter zone. And so I remember there was a summer, there was one kid who did the vanilla ice, like complete vanilla ice hair, and then wore uh, hammer pants, but were like real hammer pants, like his parents were rich. But oh. he was the only person, like everybody knew about hammer pants, they thought they yeah. were cool, but nobody thought they could pull them off. But this kid, and I remember that, like he was like, I don't know, he was sort of like treasured and ridiculed at the same time. <laughs> it was like middle familiar. <laughs> uh, but no, man, it was a, yeah, hammer pants. That, that's such a step. But now, you know, like when you go to the mall, like kids just dress crazy. Like I'm really jealous of, really jealous of the modern teenager. It's like whoever they want, you know, it's, it's really exciting. Okay. So Chris, I had, I was ambitious. I was fashionably ambitious. Like my mom supported me being ambitious in the same ways. Mm-hmm. It sounds like your mom supported you in being fashionably ambitious. Oh yeah. But I, I didn't have the popularity to back it up. So it wasn't like the coolest girl in school is showing up in hammer pants, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so but I, you did it. But you did it. That That's oh the God. thing. And they had a matching jacket, I think. So they were like, they weren't that kind of structured gold pants. Yeah. They were like a, a fabric and it was like a maroon and black striped. And then the wings of the pants that came yes. around the front and buttoned yeah. were like at opposite, like either black on the inside and then striped yeah. on the outside and then a matching blazer that had yeah. the same motif. And I think I wore that to elementary school in Gainesville, Florida man that's amazing <laughs> I, I bought a hat I, me and my friends I think I was like a freshman in high school and me and my friends uh, like hopped in the car this other person who had a driver's license and we drove up to, up to Seattle and uh, we were all obsessed with this shop and it was like in the same area that had like John Fluvog store oh cool Doc Martens but we're talking like the 90s so that was like that's like the height of cool the patchouli and underground and like you know it's the coolest shit so we went there and there's also this clothing store those upstairs uh, you know it's like this huge warehouse place and I bought I found this amazing like velvet hat I was really obsessed with fishbone too um for mm-hmm. anybody who doesn't know who fishbone is they dress really crazy and I was I was really inspired by that and I bought this big mushroom hat like it wasn't like a we're not talking like Dr. Seuss though. It was like more, I want to say we're, we're, we're leaning towards like a King Arthur's like jester, not a jester, <laughs> but like a, like the, the person. Like a chef's who, hat? Like, like the person in the, in the movies that holds like a, the pillow with the ring on it or whatever, mm-hmm. like, you know, in like Cinderella, like that kind of hat. It wasn't a yeah. chef, hat, but it had like a brim and it had like this mushroom situation and I never wore it. I loved the hat, but I never wore it because I didn't want to answer for it. Like I was was so scared of it. I'd wear it at home and like around, like if we were going, okay, I wore it to some shows, Uh but you know, I I saw Red Hot Chili Peppers in it. (laughs) And I think like I saw that one of their, but I never wore it like out. And I was always like, that's always something I think about from high school. It's like, oh, I just held back, you know? But yeah. I had all these fashion things, you know, it was always like when you live in Lacey and, uh, you know, you're uh, biracial, you know, it's and all this other stuff. It was like trying to figure out. I mean, that's a whole another podcast, but like trying to figure out how to fit into that situation. 
you know, and, and still, and still be an individual, you know, I was still inspired by punk and music and stuff. It was such like, I remember that being such like a tightrope and it took me until, I don't know, maybe like my senior year before I was like, Oh, fuck it. I'm going to be this, you know? Yeah. 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 But it would all, but I remember talking about fashion, you know, there's this, so there's all, all these clothes, all these ways I wanted to express myself that were all suppressed by like, you know, stuff in my head. Oh my God. And look now you could be, you could do anything. Wait, will you tell me what the French fry outfit ended up looking like? What was the silhouette? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So it like, we're talking like, it was like kind of a sweatpants pant that went out that kind of ballooned out and it had like uh, elastic at the cuffs at the ankle. Of course. But so kind of came out and came together and then uh the shirt was kind of like a hockey jersey i would wear that right i would wear that today and it was like you know it was like french fries and then like french fries written in different languages oh cool kind of thing. <laughs> pom frites like pom yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was like that so i was like international i was really into carmen san diego so like i feel like there was there's just a lot of things i was trying to trying to express or whatever but oh my god i love that my mom you know is kind of fake italian Cause mm. she's not Italian, but her husband's Italian. So she's taken it on and she has like an apron. She'll have aprons with like so many different Italian words all over them, just all over the front, like mama mia, yeah, like yeah, just yeah. all over the front. Italians love that. You know, it's like, you just have all your little words right there. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Karen's so she, she loves being reminded all the time. She does. Yeah. <laughs> My mom will see if Karen will go for this. Just put on the Godfather soundtrack one day. Oh, While man. you're making a sauce, that's oh, my mom's jam. Right, right. And cutting is, and cutting garlic. Yeah, she is not Italian, but she will, as she's canning tomatoes, making the sauce, making a traditional Italian wedding soup, she will be jamming to the Godfather soundtrack. Right. So does she have, does she like the movies? Is there like a Italian oh, yeah. connection? Like she was just like, oh, that's their beautiful people. Well, my stepdad's Italian. So she just is, there you go. she's like me too. Um, Do you remember when, when we were in, have I already talked about this in the podcast when we were in Serbia and then I saw someone get stabbed? Right. Yeah. Well, you didn't you send a text? To I don't me remember. That? Like there was like we were talking about that. But yeah, the Serbian trip was. Yeah. You it know, was, and like, the thing is, is that since then, I've learned a bit about Serbia and like we were actually in a pretty, pretty chill area. <laughs> we were in a chill area, but. Um, but, but, still, really but still, there was a knife fight. Yeah. It was like, we're at this music festival and Beth Gossett played, but then also Beth sang with Duran Duran. Right. Yes. We met Simon LeBon. Oh my God. Like your dressing room was right next to Duran Duran's. And the yeah. way we knew it's because there's like a printed out piece of paper off a printer that just says Duran Duran on it. Yeah, man. And they're just like cool older guys. And we could hear them warming up like across the particle board. And yeah. then- on the way back are these vans leaving this giant festival. And then I'm like, oh my God, I'm so hungry. Cause I was the only vegan anywhere. And so we pulled over so I could get some corn and the corn vendor is like making the corn. And then I hear this woman screaming and I'm like, shut up. And then I look and she's screaming cause her boyfriend's like, oh, and his hand is on his bare back. Cause he's not wearing a shirt. And then he moves his hand and there's like a knife wound. And then some other, like there had been like a tussle mm -hmm. and then one guy stabbed the other guy. And, the, and then she was like, oh. and he was like, I stabbed. and then um, the corn guy just kept making that money. He just kept yeah. finishing whatever I mean, he was the day in the life. 
He was like, you know what? People get stabbed, but I'm getting my four donor or whatever, whatever the money was. I don't remember. Um, you know what? That person isn't buying any corn. So I don't really care. He's like, I, don't look at, he kind of was like, a, like, don't worry about them. Don't worry about that guy who just got stabbed. He's going to be fine. Welcome to Serbia. Let's finish this, this transaction. And we did finish the transaction. And then I think I Kurt, Kurt saw the police, like, just pick up the knife and put it on their dashboard. And that's how they were collecting evidence. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, just another knife. Oh, we've seen this knife before. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. How much are you paying attention to politics and, and whatever's going on? I do go on Twitter every day. So I see like the scalding hubbub. Right. Of different things. For you uh, list. Right. Yeah, kind of. Like mm. I see the things that the people I follow are tweeting about. Right. Um. But I'm not, not, not as much post-COVID. So post-COVID, you're like, you're, you've kind of. Post-COVID, I'm giving my brain a little bit more of a rest and I'm having like a little bit more of like trying to play Tetris and take a lion's mane mushroom for my brain. And then are you on? Right there. Start right there. Dude, this is one of the things on the list. I've become obsessed with lion's mane. Oh, really? Yeah, I take it every day. It I've been taking I've been taking it every day for the past three months to try to get my brain back. For what do you how do you feel? I mean, I feel like it's working. I just after COVID, I felt like the same way I felt after I had a concussion, where I would walk into a room and just it wasn't like the same the normal feeling of like, what am I here for? But it was just like, how did I even get in here? Right. What's happening? What's what am I am I alive? Like what's happening? <laughs> Uh, and so I've been taking, I've been taking lion's mane every day. I have a lion's mane. Maybe I'll get this for you as some kind of present. I got this like special, like a uh, Hawaiian, li- like mushroom company, lion's mane cocoa mm-hmm. that I take, or I put in my smoothie. And then I take just the regular supplements. I've been trying to take as much as I can every single day. Uh, well, you're taking a bunch of it. I'm taking as much as I can. And then I'm playing Tetris. Because I read somewhere that that is one of the things that people do when they're recovering from a concussion or some kind of other kind of brain thing mm-hmm. to try and get like their neural pathways jumping again. Yeah. But you feel, you feel a difference though. I think so. I mean, I can't, I can't, I don't, I can't completely tell yet. I feel like, but I, I am a lot better. Um, I feel like completely changed me. How so? Like it, it was all the kind of things that you were mentioning, but it, it was more like immediate. So what I started, out, I started off with a supplement that had lion's mane in it. And so it was, it was at a time when there was no depression going on, but it was more or less like, it was very cloudy. Like I was like, you know, I was like at my old job and stuff. And I was trying to like, you know, I was like, oh, what am I going to, you know, what's going on next? Like, you know, I'm not in a rut, I'm busy, but what's, you know, what am I doing? And so just like on a, like some, somehow on an aside, like I'd read something or saw something and they were talking about like lion's mane or whatever. And I was like, well, you know, I used to love psychedelic mushrooms. So I might as well just, hey, let's try this out. And it's in gummy form. I'll eat anything in gummy form. So are you taking a gummy? Oh yeah. Oh, totally. No, it's great. And so I took one, but this one had like a bunch of different kinds of things in it. Like ginkgo? 
um I don't know it was like like but it, it was like fungus for like you know your gut and like mm. it was sort of like a multi kind of faceted kind of supplement um and you know it was okay you know and I was like oh it kind of changed things and I was a little more it was like less cloudy and like um you know I was just like you know I was able to sort of and I was kind of like visualizing stuff more um to the point where I think that I had I actually changed I actually mentally changed my reality, you know, uh, not in a psychedelic way, but like, as far as like, well, kind of psychedelic, but so, you know, I was, I was like, I, things have to change. Like, I don't know what they have to be, but they have to be changed and they have to be these things, you know, and I kind of want to, like a boost in this area and, you know, like, you know, I got a kid and stuff, you know, we're trying to figure stuff out. Uh, and I was like, oh, I, I kind of need to make, you know, X amount of dollars or whatever. Um, and I had sort of wrote down this plan. I was thinking about it. I was like thinking about these things and it materialized. Like almost all these things that I wanted to happen materialized. And so, uh, but, uh, and I, I sort of, oh, I felt like I owed it to this mushroom thing. Yeah. So, you know, but like at the same time, I love astrology. Like I believe in it only because I've seen it work whole thing if I explain once I started explaining it to somebody who is not a, a non-believer you know how it's hard to like you're yeah. like well it is kind of crazy you know but the whole thing is that I've seen it work so and I mean this that's is a, this is a similar kind of thing so once I did I just switched to something three months ago that was just lion's mane like a lion's mane only gummy and like I feel like Buddha you know like I'm just like everything's chill like I'm able to sort of like um I'm my job's pretty busy I'm able to sort of take down take on all this stuff and sort of go like another level um it's just a lot of things are sort of materializing like I don't feel like Professor X or something but I really feel like there was a sort of a shift that kind of turned up something and I like my mood everything has been super stable The world is waiting for you. And it's a game-mazing world. I'm Karen Tongson. And I'm Nicole J. Georges. And we're the hosts of The Game-Mazing Race, a new limited series podcast about The Amazing Race, your favorite reality competition show from an LGBTQ point of view. We are going to talk to game-mazing guests, including Oswald Mendez, Team Guido, the Married Lesbian Ministers, and more. Plus, we will learn behind-the-scenes gossip, trivia, we'll talk about gay villains, the closet, archetypes, processing challenges that we just can't forget, and more. And beyond that, you'll also have a game-mazing soundtrack scored by The Kaya Wilson. This music has been described as Enya-esque with druidic energy. So listen to us, The Gay Amazing Race, wherever you get your podcasts. The Gay Amazing Race. The Gay Amazing Race. The Gay Amazing Race. I knew Don Riddle was a star when I was in line with Kaya and her best friend, Lindsay, who's not a podcast listener. We were going to go to Disneyland and we were stuck in traffic at nine o'clock in the morning inside the parking structure, just like mm -hmm. heinous, you know, stuck in traffic in a parking yeah. structure. And Dawn had just sent me one and I played it for everybody. And Lindsay was like, I love that. 
She's like, who is that? She has a great voice. Oh my God. She's so funny. <laughs> dude. It was oh, a perfect dude. thing. Oh man. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think the, the dream, yeah, we need to, if we had like a Voltron situation, you know, like with what's a, what, what's a Voltron situation? Well, you know, the, the Voltron cartoon, it's all about a massive walking robot made up of six other robots together to form like a big thing, you know? So our Voltron would be who? So Voltron, well, uh, you know, obviously you're the head, right? You're like the cat head or whatever it is. (laughs) And then um, they, I mean, you, you know, you don't know what Voltron is? I feel like I do and I don't. <laughs> is this from is this from Transformers? No, it's <laughs> <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, the only cartoonist who does not know what Voltron is. No, just kidding. Just kidding. You don't have to know. That's some nerdy shit. But so anyway, bunch of robots making one big robot, you know, like I said, like an all sex podcast with Brandy Taylor. Oh yeah. Although when I talked to her last time, it, it seems like she wanted to like be a more general advice giver Hmm. you know but I feel like the sex advice was always very straight you know and then you have then you have Beth Pickens you know Mm -hmm. who has her own groove already amazing podcast you know Morgan Mm -hmm. Don Riddle oh yeah that's a good team and then I you know I would say Michelle T but I feel like she's like her own spaceship right now I mean both she's always blown up She's always up. blowing up. She's around spaceship. Have you been following Brontes for now? Yes. Well, I was supposed to go on tour with Brontes and then I was going to have him on the podcast while we were on tour and neither of us ended up going on the tour. He's, he's, I'm so into like the stuff that he's been up to, you know, he's blowing up so hard right Casting now. Casting gold. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, you know, and it's also in a way, he's also blowing up in the channels that he's supposed to you know it's not in a way that's like uncontrollable like he's completely in control of his persona mainly because you have to be i think you have to be kind of in touch with the counterculture to even understand what he's doing um but like i mean i think you know he's like a hero to me you know just as far as like the way the stuff that he's been putting out like writing or just even performing or even his Instagram feed. It's like, it's very unique. You know, nobody else is really doing it. And mainly because they don't have the personality or really the confidence to do it, you know? Yeah. Um, But yeah. So, I mean, I've just known him, but he's, he was the other, whenever I was going on tour, he was always the other black guy because he moved around a lot and I toured around a lot. So we ran into each other all the time. Like in towns. What was the band that he toured with? Not Gravy Train. Was it Veronica Lip Gloss? What was the band he toured with? He was like the dancer. Oh, Gravy Train. No, it wasn't Gravy Train. It was pre-Gravy Train. Before Gravy Train. It was a Uh, different band. uh, It was like a band that was playing like, there was someone in the band named Jizz. And it was a band that came and played like a punk show in a basement and Brontes just stripping down and like dancing in someone's fucking basement with like the pole in the middle of the room mm-hmm. classic yeah. yeah man i uh i don't know i see i've seen him so many places and anybody that's known him has a has always has a wild story but he's also like really sweet too you know oh yeah he's he's a definite he has to come on the podcast 
Yeah, yeah, for sure. But he's like, you know, he's definitely like in the, he's a true artist. So, you know, like, you know, we're getting into like, you know, it's like we we know some true artists, you know, like yeah. Beth Ditto, you know, maybe time time is a man-made construct, you know. So sometimes sometimes you have to we create our own realities. Well, okay, I'll put it that way. What I'm getting into again is the Golden Girls. Yes. I got invited onto a Golden Girls podcast. I haven't been on yes. yet, but I was like, please. Yes, totally. Um, who's your favorite? Sophia. Sophia's your favorite. Yeah. Mine's Dorothy. Oh yeah. I'm 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 having kind of a Dorothy Renaissance. I'm getting a weird crush on Dorothy. Dorothy is uh she's a goddess. In fact, you know, when I think about B. Arthur, it's hard for me to think about anybody similar, you know. No just even with her, uh, the mod stuff. And I think like I, I went down like a B. Arthur rabbit hole and I saw like these young, like sort of stage performances, like when she was like in her twenties, like she was all, she was always riveting, you know? And yeah. I think that's probably why my mom liked her, you know, I mean, she's like, her deadpan is just as good as any classic comedian, like that look. And yeah. I'm rewatching, I did a rewatch maybe about a year or two ago where I went through the entire all the seasons and you know it was it's okay. actually kind of it was amazing for me that all four of those people they actually got those four people to be in the same show oh yeah i mean it's kind of crazy i mean i know rue mcclanahan and uh was sophia what's her name uh, you know they weren't really famous before but uh but betty white was already like an all-timer like a well, hall so, of so you know that like like famously Betty White and um and B. Arthur like didn't get along. What? B. Oh. Arthur didn't really like oh, Betty tell White. Tell me more. Oh there's all this gossip. Now that I'm listening to, to Golden Girls podcast, I'm what? learning lots of goss. Well, so I think that like because B. Arthur came from the um the theater. And Betty White came from TV. Yes. B. Arthur had this like just really different way of being, this different level of professionalism. Oh, and totally. And Betty White would kind of like work the crowd, ham it up with the crowd, mm -hmm. was very liked by the crowd, like would sure. really like keep, but B. Arthur had the fourth wall very yes. firmly in place. Right. And so I think, and then I think she was kind of, and so of course people were like, you know, Betty White just got, had that warmness to her that everybody just went towards. Right. And then B. Arthur was like the anchor of the show just didn't, that wasn't her scene. Right. Right. And, you know, on, on sort of, you know, androgynous in a little ways too. I think she know. was a closeted gay person. I think if this was a different time, something different might've happened for her. Let me tell you a quote I found the other day. Okay. Um, let me see if I can find it. She basically said, I wrote it somewhere, but I don't remember where. I've been looking at, there's all these interviews with her and she, oh, I know I took a screenshot. She basically told an interviewer that she thought a lot of comedians came out as gay. Oh, here we go. Yes, I agree. A very large percentage of comedians are lesbian. Most, I don't know about that. They give the ladies time. Most are still in the closet. Right. But then, you know, after what you just said, I wonder if she considers herself, after the story you just told, I wonder if she considers herself a comedian, you know, and, and instead of like an actress, you know. I don't know. 
I mean, she was on two major things that were called like sitcom, you know, like mod. Yeah. Or um, but you know, what struck me about, you know, like watching her act, you know, it didn't seem nat- like the Stanley angle, like seemed that seemed natural because they're in a dysfunctional natural. Like I kind of understood that, but you know, when they sort of tried to branch out, you know, she like went on a date or like there's like a guy like not that she's I mean she's riveting but at the same time like the chemistry besides the Stanley character there wasn't any chemistry you know it's like when you watch Ellen episodes of Ellen before she came out yeah it's still even at the time it didn't make sense you know even before she came out and so there's like Dorothy has that kind of thing but like I often wonder if like maybe I'm putting on her on her pedestal in a way and making her sort of beyond sex because she's up on this thing like that that she's just very different yeah well she also famously didn't like to wear shoes so Hmm. a lot of times when they were rehearsing or sometimes like in certain episodes when there's a wide angle that maybe wasn't originally planned you can she's not wearing any shoes interesting wow what is this podcast called there's a okay well i so i've been listening to out out on the lanai wow I can't I have to say, I mean, may or may not get on the podcast. I just, I don't find <laughs> their personalities stunning, but I, I think that if you look up the episodes that Alaska Thunderfuck is on, Alaska is a drag queen from RuPaul's okay. Drag Race, oh, oh, who's yeah, a yeah. Golden Girl super fan. Yes. She's yeah. a super fan. And she's been a special guest on some of their episodes. And that's how I got in. Cause I was looking for a podcast, listen to while I was drawing. And I was like, well, I love Alaska's personality. Sure. And I've exhausted her own podcast that she has. And so let me see other uh, things that she's been on. I was like, oh, she was a guest on this Golden Girls podcast. There's another one called So Good We Named It, which is the only Golden Girls podcast hosted with two black hosts. And it started, I think, a year or two ago. And they talk about Golden Girls and Golden Palace. Yeah. Awesome. Underrated show. Well, they were sort of, they're definitely trying to extend it. They're, um, you know, it's like when Three's Company did three's a crowd but you know just to have those there's somebody one person wasn't there though right and that's Palace. when b arthur left the show okay, because she didn't want to work in television anymore right right so it was just sophia uh rose and and uh, blanche and, and then don Cheadle and cheech marin no oh, that's right cheech marin was on the show. <laughs> yes yeah um yeah um and then the the not having that element the deadpan element to bounce off of like rose's naivety and the harshness yeah you know like yeah it's crazy and and do you do you think that blanche was having as much sex as she was saying she was having okay i think that we both need to read the um there's a great golden girls book that i keep hearing about by this guy who's been interviewed on these podcasts Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll send you his um, his episode because okay. he talks about meeting B. Arthur and going to her house for an interview. Oh, my God. Wow. Which it was really hard for him to track her down. Um, I think you'll like this story. But um, apparently Blanche, I don't think she was having the same amount of sex, but it was similar to her character in real life. Like, I think she had like four or five husbands. Rue McClanahan. Yeah. Because she was from the South. Like, she always, I mean, she she was on mod with that accent, I think. Oh, yeah. I see. I never watched. Or oh, she went all in the family. Who was an all in the family? All in the. F- and then someone was on Mama's family. 
Oh, Maude was a spinoff from All in the Family. Yes, Maude is a spinoff from All in the Family. And then I think that Blanche was on Mama's Family or something. Right, but Blanche was also a friend on Maude. Like he was one she of was? Them. Yeah, she would show up sometimes. I've never seen Maude. Oh my God, whoa. Oh I just want to spin this back for you. I had to draw her as Maude because for Bitch Magazine once, I drew, there was an something they hired me to draw for um, all these people that had abortions on TV. So it was like a girl from a Degrassi, the next generation. And yeah, then yeah. it was Maude. And I can't remember who else, but this brings us back to the Roe versus Wade thing, which there's just nothing to say. Yeah. I just, I grew up, my mom is super pro-choice. And when I was in high school, I had something called girl positive because I was afraid of riot girl because all my dude punk friends were like, oh, Riot Girl's so stupid. So I had something called Girl Positive, which was essentially Riot Girl. Mm-hmm. And we had a meeting in my den. I like made flyers. I had my phone number on them to my house. People came to my house. We were hanging in my den, like a social justice kind of like women's issues group for teenagers. And my mom came down at some point and was like, you want to talk about rights for women. What about all women? How about unborn women? And she made us watch this VHS tape that was just like, nasty pro-life propaganda mm. um, of just like, you know, like a fetus getting cut with scissors, whatever the thing was. And my friends, I was like, mom, get out of here. No, it, I don't even know if we actually watched it, but she was like, if you guys want to talk about feminism, you got to talk about all women. Mm. And it was unborn women. Yeah. So she votes in that Catholic way of voting towards anybody that will preserve the life of an unborn child and then if the unborn child's bored to someone who's poor, she's judging them for not being able to take care of their kid. Yes, totally, man. Yeah. It's just, like, yeah. It's it's a and and to have a system where the the body that's supposed to take care of the people is like kind of just detached from it. It's just uh is this weird. And I think, you know, I, I think just the fact that certain part of the uh certain part of the the population is becoming, you know, like, I mean, the knowledge is growing the way, like, you know, Mike, oh my God, Vivian is going to, the the shit that Vivian already knows is crazy, you know? So by the time she gets like to voting age or older, like she's just going to be like, she's going to be light years ahead of where we're going. But then there's this whole all other part of like society that's like staying still. And I think that's like where, that's who, who the people, you know, when I see somebody like, you know, everybody shits on Lauren Boebert, but like, you know, it's really more about the people that are like voting for her because she keeps winning, you know, Mm, it really isn't about her. You know, she might even be acting. It might even be like a persona, you know, Um, but people are like, oh yeah, that, you know, and they're willing to vote against all of their like things that would help them in order to feel some sort of superiority. Yeah. Over like another group of people. And I guess I don't really know how you change that. You know, we're in a really weird time. Yeah. I mean, we're in it. We're in a time where people are like, ew, Antifa. And I'm like, that means anti-fascist. Yeah. Are you saying that you're pro-fascist? Is that what you're saying in public now? That you're pro-fascist? So it's like a buzzword they can say and they can kind of point, you know, terrorism, communism, you know, it's like the whole, like, yeah. it's like, a, it's the same thing with, with, with socialism, you know, the word socialism. It's like when you tell hey, certain taking care that. of everybody that sucks, dude, it's like, if you ever read what it, it you know, it's, it's amazing that people would be like, 
people are so against that word you know just it's like the word itself but if you actually like looked it up if you looked well, up what communism actually is or whatever yeah. you know it's like or if you were like are you looking forward to social security when you retire right. i gotta tell you something socialism might be something you're interested in right or like unemployment like how much you know there's no unemployment there's a lot more windows being broken there's a lot more shit getting stolen if you don't have that unemployment you know and you're yeah. gonna have like i mean you probably have a basic uprising if like if you can't take a take care can't take care of everybody but anybody and then once everything gets more automated you know now there's like cars driving themselves factories running themselves it's like you know almost you know that that dude andrew yang is such a fucking idiot but like uh the one thing he did have, which he was trying to explain with the top of his, this is like, oh, we should do this thing where we pay everybody $2,000 a month. Oh, oh yeah. And people were like, oh, fucking crazy. That's crazy. And like, but the way he explained it and the way it's like, well, you know, there's going to be a point when the only job, I mean, even creative jobs are being taken by AI. You know, there's like paintings being made up by computers. There's like, I think there's going to be, you know, definitely a discernible kind of thing i mean you know human being like i said you know like human beings and vote for vote for lauren bobert so maybe there's this thing where we'll always keep on clinging to our humanities you know and ai won't totally take over but i don't know i mean anything that i don't know how many you know how much music is being made through ai i'm sure it is but i wonder you know i wonder if that would be so uh, there's going to be a point where like nobody's going to be able to work, you know. So what's it going to be after that? You know, <laughs> it's like you know, and, and like I always think about we. I think I've, this is the third time I've mentioned this in this podcast, but it's the end of Wally. What That's happened at the what end of Wally? Well, the end of Wally is the Earth is a trash planet. Yeah, everybody is big skin blobs. Yeah, watching TV on a floating planet. Oh yeah, and nobody works. They just watch TV, or maybe there's like some. Oh, and you could get like a little tube of food that just goes but, into your like mouth. A, yeah, but everybody has no skeletons and stuff. They're just big blobs of people, and the, everybody's just watching TV. But they can't even live on Earth because like Wally's on Earth and it's just trash. You know? I remember. I remember when Wally's looking for, looking for something out there. Right, right. So that was always. <laughs> ever since i saw that that was a cautionary tale i was like that's totally what's happening right that's now. happening right now into Wally. <laughs> i was so bummed about that movie because i was so excited for it and it was like rock camp had just happened and i took some campers to go see it at the drive-in and one of the campers like this like fat girl from the midwest who had like felt body positivity for the first time in her life was mm -hmm. like feeling so good about herself after going to rock camp. And then Wally was just like, look at these lazy fat people. Ew, uh -huh. ew. Uh -huh. And she was just bummed. You could just see her get deflated and be like, oh my God, everybody's looking at those people being like. But I mean, I think like the sentiment was, is that they were like that because they weren't doing anything right that. I feel like it was a different type of fat. Not even, I'm not trying to be defensive. But, <laughs> yeah, like the, like what sunk in with my head is that like, oh, they're fat. It's just like, oh no, they're atrophied. You know, it's like, yeah. like, that's just what happens when you don't do anything, you know? So I've always been kind of obsessed with that. And I was obsessed with, I feel like RoboCop is happening. 
Um, I don't even, I think I saw RoboCop. Kindergarten Cop. (laughs) (laughs) Well, RoboCop is just like uh, in the, well, what I was obsessed with is that, so RoboCop is a uh, mechanical person that's been built out of metal. And what they did is they saved, all they saved was his brain and his spine and his eyeballs. That's all they saved. Ew. Like in a glass. And then they put that in like a, like a robot or whatever. And then, um, so I was always just like, oh, like that in the matrix was just like, oh, that's all you need. You just need the spine and the eyes. You know? Why do you need the spine? <laughs> well, Why maybe there's you- like some sort of like functionality, and you know, I don't know. <laughs> but maybe we're, you know, it's more, it's probably just more, the only movie it really is is Idiocracy really, but you know, more than anything else. How do we have all the knowledge of the universe? And people still want to take people's rights away. It's amazing to me. I don't know. I mean, I kind of just am just along for the ride. I'm just like, all right, what's <laughs> happening? What new, what new fresh horror in hell am I reading about on this day? Yeah, Let me see. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, so, all right. So we should wind down, but I want to ramp up. Oh, like, we've been going down. We've been going yeah. down. Talking about Wally. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You want to end on <laughs> Talking about now? Ruby Wade. Let's see, what what are our hopes for the future? Let's talk for five or 10 minutes about what we want to do. Well, I'm gonna, you know, I got kind of deflated at some point. I Samantha Irby had been my dream guest and then I asked her and she ghosted me. I'm gonna ask her again. <laughs> I'm ready to ask her again. I'm. She has a new book coming out. I feel the time is right. Yeah, get in that junket. I'm, I'm ready to get back in that junket. Um, I want to have, I asked Carol J. Adams, who wrote The Sexual Politics of Meat, to be on the podcast. And she said yes and scheduled for like November. And then she like canceled. And I was so bummed, but I have a friend who's a queer historian and we're trying to think of something she could talk about in the podcast. And she was mm. like, have you heard The Sexual Politics of Meat? And I was like, yes. I was like, you have to come on the podcast and talk about that yeah. book. Awesome. So those are some things I'm interested in. Um, my friend, Lil Miss Hot Mess, is a drag queen who does Drag Queen Story Hour, and she has been the face of um, groomers mm-hmm. around the world. Ah. So uh, she's going to come on the podcast and talk about um, her book, about her kid's book about drag queens. Mm-hmm. And wow. if things go well, when I'm on the Golden Girls podcast, so good we named it, maybe I could have the people from that podcast on our podcast. Wow. I would love to have a golden girls chit chat episode. Like I'd have to, I'd have to jump on at least. You have to jump on. We could have like an episode where we watch an episode of the golden girls and talk about it or anything. Be honest. Do you think it's like, see, this is another situation I get myself in a lot. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton, with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker-Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time.